0: What's up everybody and welcome to the podcast Dog Mom Mentality where we strive to play with dogs and not emotions. I am your virtual bestie Caroline and I have my furry friend here Layla and we are going to give you a break from your day to talk about all things dogs and emotional well-being. If you have ever been emotionally affected by your dog then this is the podcast for you. hello everybody happy thursday that is if you are listening to this on a thursday and if not happy friday saturday sunday monday tuesday wednesday (laughs) happy day basically i am so happy to be on this microphone i just got back from a work trip on last saturday And then as soon as I got back, my best friend left for vacation. Bobby's been gone on a trip. So I have been all by myself. Um, I will say that I kind of like being by myself to a certain extent. So I am pretty introverted and, you know, being around people can sometimes drain me. And so I've liked this, but then in the evening I have energy and I kind of like want to talk to somebody like because I normally talk to Bobby or my best friend or go do something during this time with them but I haven't had anyone to do that with so I'm happy to be on this microphone talking to you all and it's been it's been a pretty good week actually so let's get on into our happies and crappies because I feel like that's a good segue so my crappy I feel like it's probably just that I have been a tad bit lonely in the evenings, but in turn, I've gotten a lot of things done since I've been by myself and hasn't, haven't had anybody to chill out with. So I've gotten a lot of things done. I've been really productive. That's part of my happy. The other part of my happy is that I got a promotion. So now that this is like Well, by the time that this comes out, it will be out into the world. So I have gotten a promotion at my nine to five job that I'm very excited about. I'm very fortunate and I feel lucky and, you know, I feel like just proud of myself for obtaining it and I'm excited to see where it gets me and how it makes me grow as a person and in the workplace. So I am now a manager. (laughs) It feels so weird to say, but I am now a manager and I'm so freaking proud of myself and honestly I talked a lot about dogma mentality during my interview which just is so amazing and it brings a huge smile to my face and I just I'm really proud of it and I'm really proud that it could help me get to this position so that's my happy this week you all shared your happies and crappies with me per usual And I'm not going to share them this week because I want to hop on into this episode, but I just want to say thank you for always sharing these vulnerable moments with me. I know sometimes your crappies especially can be pretty vulnerable. And so I just want to give a huge shout out and take a moment to appreciate that. And I just, I love connecting with you all through that way. I like to go back and message people based on their happies and crappies and talk to them about it and connect on that level. And so I just always really enjoy that moment to see what all is going on in your all's life outside of dogs. You know, a lot of people tell me about things going on in their job or their relationship or just in their personal life. And sometimes it doesn't have to be about dogs and that's okay. So I just really appreciate that. And I want to take this moment to say. Say all of that and that I love it and that I love you guys. Thank you so much. (laughs) I just have this huge, huge smile on my face. Oh, another happy from this week is since I've been by myself, I've been doing a lot of things with Layla. So I've been taking her to new places, I've been hanging out with her more, doing more training and bonding with her. And that has just been such a good moment for us. It's been a really, really good week, and I have felt really connected to her. This week's episode is all about the financial obligations of owning a dog and how that can affect you emotionally and mentally and how those emotions can affect your relationship with your dog and then... It just comes full circle because your dog is the reason that you're spending some of this money. So we talk a lot about how to manage your money, how to manage your mindset, how all of this is just like super intertwined. And I had the perfect person to talk to. Today's guest is Andrea, and she is the dog mom to Maggie, a 20-month-old golden doodle who makes everyone smile when they pass by her. Andrea and her husband Chris moved from New York to the California Bay in October of 2020 for Andrea's work, and they soon brought Maggie home a few months later. The couple quickly realized that they weren't nearly as ready as they thought they were financially to make life with their new puppy enjoyable, bearable, or even possible. Despite the new puppy stress, Andrea and Chris's bond with Maggie grew stronger every day and they learned how to maintain healthy boundaries with their budget. And Maggie even inspired Andrea to launch her new leash company, Smiling Doodles Leashery, which you can find at Smiling Doodle or at smilingdoodles.com, which both of those are linked in the show notes. And it was really interesting to talk to Andrea because she has always been into finances, always into budgeting and having like a really good money mindset. But as we all know, puppies just come with these unexpected, crazy things. And even though she thought she was very prepared, Maggie showed her that she cannot anticipate every single thing. So this is just a really, really great life lesson for all of us dog owners Andrea gives us some good tips at the end on how to manage your money mindset, on how to prepare for a dog, and about some of the unexpected things that you may run into whenever you get a new dog. Let's get into this episode with Andrea. No matter the age of your pet, so much planning is involved when setting them up for success. From the hours of training, to the socialization, to the confidence building. But have you ever considered that the thing causing them a difference in their behavior, whether it's agitation or anxiety, might be a bit more complex than just training. This past year, I began to factor in how Layla's digestion could be affecting her behavior and mood. I didn't previously consider this because it really isn't something that you can outwardly see nor could she communicate that to me. But after reading her food label, I decided to find a brand that was more balanced, holistic and fueled her for all of our training and play sessions. But I still wanted it to be convenient for me and all of our trips and even hand feeding. This is when solid gold entered our lives. Layla was immediately obsessed with their food, and I am equally obsessed with the benefits she gets from it. Up to 80% of a pet's immune system is influenced by the gut, making the nutrients, vitamins, and minerals so important to your pet's overall health and well being, which, you guessed it, also, includes things like their nervous system and behavior. Layla has been eating Solid Gold's new Nutrient Boost line, which is powered by plasma, making it extra nutritious, extra delicious, and providing extra immunity. The added plasma ingredient works to reduce inflammation and increase absorption, making sure that she gets every nutrient possible in her little tummy. And all of this is in kibble form, making it extremely easy and functional for us. Beyond their large variety of customizable food, Solid Gold also makes meal toppers, flavorful bone broths, and supplements. You can snag their products on Amazon, Chewy, Petco, and PetSmart. And find all the details about Solid Gold on their website, solidgoldpet.com. That's also linked in the show notes. Layla assures you that you will not regret checking out Solid Gold for your pet. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are talking to Andrea, who is the dog mom to Maggie. She's a a big girl golden doodle. She's a very beautiful dog. Um, And Andrea actually has her own leash shop as well. We were just talking about Shopify and all the different things that go into running a store. So super excited to have you on today, Andrea, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much.
1: I'm really glad to be here and I've been following along with your journey of developing our podcast. So I'm really excited to be one of your guests.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Do you have anything fun planned this summer or I guess we're almost done with summer and you actually had a wedding here recently, like a month ago.
1: I did. Yeah. We celebrated our one month anniversary this past weekend by going for a hike with Maggie. (laughs) That's so fun. Um, yeah, so our big thing for the summer was going up to Canada to get married and my husband is from there. So it was really nice. We had a micro wedding, which I totally recommend for anyone who wants to have a wedding, be an expression of themselves and be able to actually remember the day. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it also helped Mags kind of enjoy it and we're glad that she was a part of it. I am glad she was a part of it, even though she put two paw prints on my dress right after oh, the ceremony.
0: Oh my gosh, what did you do about <laughs> that? Because that's like my biggest fear.
1: Thankfully, our celebrant came to the rescue with a Tide pen, and then the <laughs> photographer like just immediately used it. And then we were thinking, oh, that would actually be really nice statement to have left on for the photos but then we realized it'd be so far away it would just look like dirt
0: right (laughs) it was cute
1: for a second and then thankfully it uh you know we were able to get it out and she was part of our photographs and she was being walked around by everyone and was just a really good girl so yeah the wedding was awesome and now we're in that like post-wedding bliss of not needing to organize anything and trying to figure out what to do with our time
0: I cannot wait for that I will (laughs) openly admit it. I can't wait for, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really excited to get married. Our wedding is in September, but then afterwards, you know, I keep saying, I can't wait until October because in October, I won't have to, you know, confirm with vendors and make double check and make sure everything's good. And like be watching out for an email from a vendor and we're doing a smaller wedding as well. We're only having about 30 people there, us included. And that's even including like the photographer and everything, but it's still like, you have to plan for it a lot. Like it's, it still requires a lot of planning and a lot of time commitment.
1: Yes, absolutely. You could probably do a whole episode on dog moms planning their weddings.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. Don't worry. I have that covered. (laughs) I have an idea for that. Did you say that there were also like 30 people at your wedding?
1: There were, it was uh, 27 And we had a U-shaped table. Um, We were able to pass Maggie off to different people who like wanted to walk with her. And even our event organizer there was able to handle it. Um, But I think what was different is for us, we didn't have to do much of the vendor planning because the venue itself was this winery that specializes in micro weddings. And they did everything except for the photographer. Okay.
0: That's really nice. I like the idea of a U-shaped table that's not something that I had thought about, but that's a really good idea on, because we're, we'll set up the tables however we want to, um, because we're renting them off of somebody. So it's not like we have to really do anything like specific or abide by any rules. So that's a good idea. I feel like we should set our tables up that way. Yeah. I'm happy to send photos of how it all was. It was, uh, yeah, nice and easy
1: to just talk to people across like both sides. We just wanted to make it easy to connect with everyone, and thankfully it worked out that way. And thankfully, Maggie just sat between us at our chairs. And I've got my cover photo on Facebook now is uh, Maggie just laying down between Chris and I.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I think did you have that on your Instagram as well? Because I, I looked through some of your wedding pictures on uh, her Instagram.
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. She, uh, she was a good girl. She got some steak.
0: Nice. (laughs) We love it. She loves it. (laughs) Well, that's amazing. So I'm sure we could talk about wedding stuff like all day, but what you're actually here to talk about with me today is finances and dog ownership, which is not a topic that we have touched on at all, but I'm sure as everyone just knows Finances can do a lot to your like emotions and mental health as well. So you really try to prepare for Maggie whenever she was a new puppy and before you brought her home as much as possible. but you and your now husband quickly realize that you cannot anticipate everything that comes along with having a puppy. So what do you think was the most surprising in like the physical realm and the emotional realm and the financial realm of getting a new puppy? There were a lot of things in all three realms. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I think on the physical realm, I didn't realize how jarring it would be to wake up to barking every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we, we had her in a crate and we crate trained her from the day she arrived. And I know that this is a point of conversation for a lot of people. Do you use a crate? How do you get through a crate when your dog really doesn't want to be in it? And we stuck to it. Thankfully it worked out well. And she was in a crate until she was about a year and a half. And only recently is kind of gotten all of the full freedom. But I think that um, there's a lot that you can't necessarily prepare for until it's your dog. It's kind of like with kids, there's, there's a lot of overlap. I would say when you're, trying to raise a puppy in the form of treating them like a member of the family. And I'm assuming most listeners, if they're listening to this podcast, they are the type who are going to want to have that puppy be an integrated part of their family. For and sure. So being prepared to know that they're going to have their own personality and react to them the way you would react to a child. So when Maggie would wake up barking, it's effectively like a child waking up crying and then needing to know, do you let them, bark or cry, or do you go and check to see how they're doing? So um, I'd say that was like the first thing we realized on day one. The second thing that I was really surprised by was how strict of a schedule a dog needs. And we learned that quickly because of potty training accidents and how important it was to find a schedule that worked for us and then stick to it, literally put it into our phones and have an alarm. Oh, she has to go for a potty break. Oh, this is when we do training. This is when we go for a walk. This is when she gets her water in between meals. And so I had it in my phone and in Chris's phone where we would get shared reminders. So if I was in a meeting and he was free, he would go take care of her because she had to go use the bathroom and we really couldn't wait longer. Um, I think the last large big thing of the physical uh, realm surprise was just her energy. (laughs) We (laughs) We knew that she was a higher energy pup in her litter but it's just like, oh my God, <laughs> I understand right. why it's like, you gotta be a little younger to deal with young things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the amount of play she needed, the zoomies that she had, mm-hmm. um, the number of walks that she needed. So after she started being able to go for walks, you know, we would go for three, three walks a day, which can be quite a uh, interruption in your work day. Yep. Um, uh, and I think those physical elements influence the emotional ones. So, I think that one thing um, was it influenced my perception towards maternity leave. I didn't even give birth to this thing, but even so, mm-hmm. I was so depleted, and it was so difficult to manage the specific timing. Her barking, her um, you know need to her, her accidents, you know, like potty accidents in the house. Um, that it just helped me understand that like when you give birth to a thing you really need time to recover but then you also need the like mental break to reset yourself Um, and then I think also it taught me about the importance of leaning on your partner and communicating like you know you need to help with taking care of the dog or like trading off responsibilities um, because my patience towards Maggie was actually maybe like a little, <laughs> uh, shorter than you can persists. be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely feel like your, your posts that are about like, you know, dealing with your dog when they're really, um, high energy and when they're just like going off the walls and regressing mm-hmm. and a lot of things that you thought you had taught them. So, you know, my, my patience level there, it just taught me of like what I need to do to maintain mindfulness and moments when, she comes back in the house and has an accident when she was literally just outside. Right. Um, So, but it's like, okay, how do you make sure that you're not getting upset about the outcome and you're just learning how to treat like the cause of it um, and, and try to set yourselves both up for a more healthy experience later. And, and both of these things influence my surprise in the financial realm, which is like, we, we, we spent so much more than we thought. Like I had this really beautiful spreadsheet with setup expenses and recurring expenses and you know ad hoc expenses and yeah, that was very understated. <laughs> <laughs> did
0: it kind of just go out the door a little bit whenever you started to see really how much she requires?
1: Um, it did. It went out the door in the form that I realized I was being very conservative. And I think part of it, I was being conservative because initially I was trying to sell it to Chris and say, you know, we're ready for a dog mm-hmm. and here's how we're going to pay for it. And don't worry, she won't be too much because I just really wanted to care for a living thing. And I was very ready to care for it. And I knew it would be good practice for us to have something to care for together and learn about how we go about that before there is the real effort and, and responsibility that comes with a, a child. Right. Um, and so I, that's part of my motivation for having undersold it. And so that's a lesson to people. Like if, if that's you, if you're trying to make it happen, just be aware that there are going to be more expenses that are determined by the dog's behavior. So are they high energy? Are they chewers? Um, are they likely to get sick? So it depends on where you get a dog from. So mm-hmm. if you're bre- if you get it from a breeder that is very reputable and has a history of, you know, healthy dogs then you might be able to allocate a slightly smaller budget towards vet expenses. But even so the dog might get a foxtail or the dog might get bitten by a bee. And then on the other side of it is maybe if you're adopting, then you need to be prepared for a range of things that you don't know as part of the dog's history. And so your financial budget will have to account for the potential of near or future term vet visits and and treatments and know if you are even capable of handling that because it would be a shame to, you know,
0: try to adopt now, but not be able to help the dog later, totally, and even with grooming, I know Maggie probably requires a lot more grooming than what Layla does. I'm able to do basically all of her grooming at like at our house by myself, but with a dog like with the curly hair, um like how Maggie does, I'm sure that requires you to actually take her into a groomer and have her. Shaved or cut the way that you want her to.
1: That's a fantastic point. Um, and for Doodle parents, yes, we we all feel that struggle. Um, I had accounted for taking her to the groomer every six weeks in my budget. What I didn't account for was exactly how expensive it is. So I think I had it accounted for a hundred dollars, maybe one hundred and twenty-five, based on the rates um, when I had first done the budget in New York, and then also seeing it in California when we moved here. But you have to add onto that tip Mm -hmm. and this it is a profession it does require a lot of work sometimes the dogs are mad and take more time and doodles take longer so i want to give a shout out to all the groomers out there who are doing an incredible job and don't always get all the praise that they need to for the effort that it takes to handle dogs of all kinds and especially doodles um i think that maggie Goes every six, six to eight weeks. If it's eight weeks, then it's like really, really shaggy Maggie <laughs> And also groomers have increased their prices because they do have right. a lot of demand. Um, so yeah, now our grooming, if it helps people, I'll say like our grooming is around 200 dollars with tip included, because I do want to be uh appreciative to our groomer. If it was without tip, it would be like 170, 165. Um, and so yeah, that's a recurring expense that is a necessary part of having her otherwise she would be matted otherwise it would take so this is the part of our conversation overall is like finding the places where it's okay to spend
0: right right because if she was matted or you had to do it yourself that would cause you frustration which would you know lead to I don't want to say bad moments with her, but more unenjoyable moments with her. When you know that you could just take her into a groomer and have a professional who knows what they're doing, you know, do it themselves. And then you come back and have all the happy moments with her. Yeah, exactly. That time that she's at the groomer
1: is a time for us to do errands Mm
0: -hmm. or just
1: have some very focused work time um, or go for a bike ride together. Um, and so it's, there are a couple of things that in our own calculus, it makes sense to send her to the groomer who is a professional and can do it well, especially if we know that we are having like busy time with work. And when we are not working, uh, we want to be able to rest with Maggie and we don't want to have to go through like combing her, which she's quite patient. She's not like the most patient dog with groom with being combed. But um, it takes more effort, and so it's for right. your own calculus. Like, do I want to spend this time, you know, doing some some grooming that helps maintain my dog, but don't want to have to handle like all of the grooming requirements that are necessary, of like bathing and clipping their nails and cleaning their right. ears and all of that? Because um, yeah, it's it's your own health and well being, but it's also the dog's. Because last thing I'd want is for her to be matted, and then that's painful for for or just dogs in general.
0: Oh yeah, totally. Oh, that's like something that you can't really plan for as well. You don't know how the dog is going to react to grooming. Like I know Layla isn't a huge fan of grooming, which is why I initially started doing it on my own because, you know, I knew that she felt comfortable with me and I knew that she trusted me. And even though, you know, we might go back and forth a little bit, I knew that like, It would just be easier for me to get it done than for me to have to take her into a groomer, somebody that she doesn't know at all, try to do these very uncomfortable things to her. That makes sense. Your comment about not knowing whether or not your dog would be okay
1: with the groomer or not um, is actually a good point also because in finance, they talk about stress testing uh, your assumptions. And so that's actually something I, I didn't do, but in hindsight, wish I did, which is you might have a certain budget in mind, but you try to think of the worst case scenario and the best case scenario from that. So where you know you might think I have to groom my dog, you might think worst case scenario, my dog requires specialized skills, so I have to budget more, or my dog does not require that and is super easy going, so I can do it at home on my own anyway. So that's, that's actually a good um, reminder about a practice in financial planning that you know people could use in their own as they're developing their budgets for bringing home a dog.
0: Oh, totally. And I can think of so many areas of dog ownership that that actually applies to. And you wrote a really great article called My Puppy Broke My Budget, which I will put in the show notes so that everyone can go and read it. It's a pretty quick read, but it's really nice to Uh, read through and see what Andrea had to say, especially if you're thinking about getting a new dog um, and how your dog can, you know, influence your spending habits. So can you talk a little bit about um, how spending money is okay if it leads to a healthy outcome and how you determined what you spent your money on during the first few months with Maggie? So it depends on the calculus you have of if I spend
1: this, then what is the outcome? So um, when you think about determining what to spend money on and why it's okay to spend it, it's a matter of saying, if I uh, don't spend this, will I be in a better or worse place, not just financially, but also emotionally? So stress eating is something that's commonly understood. And I feel like You know, people are likely to empathize with it, like they're likely to empathize with eating a carton of Ben and Jerry's or eating a sleeve of Oreos. But if someone talks about retail therapy, there might be some more like nervous laughter and more of that, like you should have known better tone. But really, it all comes down to the same thing, which is that you're not solving for that particular decision to eat or to spend. You're more solving for the thing that's causing you to even weigh that decision. And so I really like how you laid out the physical, emotional, and financial realm of impact from having a dog, because those are the three elements that kind of work together and will cause you to either spiral out and and feel uh, extremes in the motion or feel extremes in terms of spending, excuse me, experience extremes in terms of spending. So, um, how we decided what we spent money on with Maggie was in terms of, I mean, there were a lot of things that she needed. There were mm-hmm. a lot of setup things that impacted um, her mental health, really, technically, like her ability to get out her energy by playing with toys. Um, by chewing on bully sticks and salmon sticks and other types of chews that were also healthy for her. Um, The types of treats that we used for training her, um, the types of things that we set up in the house to make it safe for her. So we bought, in addition to like our initial purchase, what we learned afterwards was that she knocks herself down on her elbows. And so we didn't want for her to develop issues later on. So we got foam tiles. And so the entire play area still to this day is lined with foam tiles. Then outside, it was a stone garden. We Mm -hmm. ended up getting artificial grass. Um, We also ended up getting baby gates that we used to line off the azaleas because azaleas are uh, poisonous to dogs. And we didn't want to worry every single time she went outside for us to have to be there with her. So the balance of getting baby gates that were quite expensive was we want to be able to let her outside on her own without needing to keep eyes on her so that we can do our own thing if we need to in the house and know she's safe outside. So we're going to spend the money we need to now and hope we can resell it in the future. Mm-hmm. And that mindset of like, can we resell it? Was helpful because we actually did sell all of the baby gates now to another family that lives nearby, just got a golden retriever, um, and they are using that for their apricot tree and for a play area in the house. Um, And then there was also the consideration of spending for ourselves. So there's still a dynamic in culture today that women cook and, you know, are responsible for grocery shopping. Um, I love my husband, but he does not cook. (laughs) So they all have their strong
0: suits and then they all have their weaknesses. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) He's more patient with Maggie's wild cardness and I cook. (laughs) Yeah. but I had to make the decision of how do I handle grocery shopping? Cause we need to eat and we need to eat well and we can't break the budget, but I also do not have the energy to cook. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up finding about meal prep services like hungry root and um, cook unity and splendid spoon. And so we actually use a combination of these for about the last year and a half. And we only just stopped using it. Cause again, wedding is gone and Maggie is a really, really good dog that has, it impresses me every day with actually what she learns and how she responds to new new commands. Um, so we're at a place now where we don't need that as much. Um, but it was really important and I think it's important for people to think about um, what they need to do to maintain their emotional like baseline. Mm-hmm. Because if you keep on plugging ahead, you might end up spending to excess in areas where you can find some middle ground. Like the middle ground for me was I'm going to buy Hungry Roots um, or a subscription or a community subscription rather than on the one end pay to get delivery every day and not know what goes into our food, or on the other end have to go around the kitchen and then who knows what I put together and what accidents I might make in the kitchen, which I did have a couple of cooking accidents in the early days of Maggie. So um, yeah, that that baseline was part of my calculus. And I think people can benefit from being easygoing with themselves rather than being like, I need to stick to these numbers specifically. Um,
0: Right. so. (laughs) So you really learned how to balance various things so that like you and your emotional state, financial state, like physical state were at a good level, you know, it might be a little bit, uh, you know, more spending in terms of the subscription food services, but you knew, because you did that, you didn't have to worry as much about taking the time out of your day to go get groceries and all the accidents that might happen. And you didn't have to take the brain energy to even think about what you're going to make because it was just there. You know what I mean? Exactly. So that is like a really good lesson. I feel like for people to learn and a really good example of how you knew when it was healthy to spend in order to, in order to make your life easier but were there any places that you maybe spent too much or didn't spend in the right spot? And so your mental capacity was a little bit lower. And how did you eventually build yourself back up in the emotional fitness, financial fitness, physical fitness of like getting back to your 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 family's normal state with having Maggie? I did. <laughs> I will
1: openly say- that uh my spending was not all out of need um and that was because yeah my like capacity to say no I don't need to have this Oreo or uh buy that bandana and matching dog mom sweater um like those capacities were depleted so yeah I definitely got Maggie way too many bandanas um I got myself dog mom gear just because I thought it looked cute and mm-hmm got myself even after some time I was like I guess maybe it was July Maggie had come home in February and I was just thinking you know what I haven't bought myself anything since pre-COVID I'm gonna (laughs) get myself something and I just much of a shopping spree on Alice and Olivia and (laughs) um, got myself clothes that don't really even need right now uh, because we're still work from home but I think that um, once I realized that I was doing that. And I realized it because my credit card statement came in. I just thought, wow, that's higher than average.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It took a moment to say, okay, how did this happen? And not like, oh God, you did this. You need to stop right now. It was more of just taking a empathetic approach to yourself to, and this is something that is important to do, whether or not you have a dog, Um, when something doesn't go according to the plan you had set for yourself, think about what caused you to get there and what does it take for you to make baby steps back to the baseline that you wish to be at. Um, so I understood that I was spending on certain things um, partially because I thought it was so cool to be part of brand ambassadors and to be a brand ambassador, you, you need have to, to buy- a- And so I thought, oh gosh, I am a brand ambassador for eight businesses right now. (laughs) Who I need to be.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you have to buy though, you know? Um, And I, I get it. Like, you want your dog's cute face out there everywhere. Yeah. And it was a decision of like, okay, I've gotten a little too far.
1: can I step back? And the answer was yes, I could step back on those. And then that helped me kind of reset my budget. And I I decided for myself, okay, I I am going to be lenient. I am going to give myself a budget of X every month to get her some new bandanas um, and see how long that goes until I just don't want that budget anymore. And I've kind of gotten to the point now where I've said, I'm not going to get more bandanas. And I've even stepped back from the um, ambassadorships that I was holding onto, there were two of them because I just feel like it ends up being time to let others come on. Um, then there were, I mean, for myself, I thought, well, what are the things that I actually need for myself rather than going and buying fancy clothes? Maybe I just need some really good sweatpants or Albert sneakers that I can just slip on and go for walks easily. Um, and so it was a matter of reallocating and telling myself, yes, I'm going to give myself a budget, but make sure it's with purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the most important thing, which we can learn across the board is communicating with my partner. So we built a budget together and we also talked together about how do we make sure that we can split responsibilities in the house so that we're both getting back to a healthy baseline. We're also making time for ourselves together as a couple, rather than thinking, oh gosh, we can't leave the puppy home alone for too long right. because she's going to make a mess in her crate or something. Um, and thankfully Maggie of all like of stories I've heard out there is pretty good on her own, mm-hmm. but it's important to make those mindful decisions to connect with each other rather than just like spending all the time focused on her. And I think those things helped us come back to our baseline and um, and have a healthy dynamic with Maggie that. She doesn't have separation anxiety. She doesn't have any any issues so far that we can tell in terms of like, you know, issues with her joints. So the foam towels worked.
0: <laughs> Amazing. I'm glad to hear that that worked. You had mentioned whenever you got your credit card statement and in, instead of beating yourself up, you really took a moment of reflection, which I love. I love how you went into that with empathy and reflection And then the other thing that you said that really, you know, I I heard and and really loved was that you said, how can I take baby steps back instead of like, how can I fix this right now? It was, you know, how can I take baby steps back to where it might not be fixed within a month or two months, but, you know, within three to four to six months, you know, we're going to be back on track. And I think that is like a big mindset shift that you can utilize not only in finances but with you know so many other things as well. But I think it's really good that you're using it with finances because there's so much pressure that comes with uh, money and people's background and how their parents utilized money and how you know their the people around them and their culture saw money. And so you actually have a background in like finances and money. Um, I know you worked in the financial space for a little bit. And so how did your background and past experiences influence your habits and mindset? You know, even like, you know, you saw your credit card and getting back to that healthy balance, Uh, but having that mindset to do it gradually instead of, You know, just jumping the gun and trying to fix it immediately. You know, how did your background influence your habits and your mindset when dealing with all of this?
1: I think that having developed a track record of trying to be mindful about my emotional state and my finances and understand how my family taught me to think about both um, like how I communicate, how I feel, as well as how I spend. Um, And I mean, I uh, transparently come from um, a first generation family. And so like when people come to America, they sometimes think that they need to like make it. And my parents definitely spent excess. So I tried to rectify that and I, That was part of my motivation from an early age to try to develop healthier habits around my spending um, or be more mindful about why, it's, why I'm spending. And that gave me, I think the muscle to, Mm -hmm. um, be able to lean on when things weren't going according to plan. I think that people tend to set guidelines for change when something happens, like when there's a triggering event, they say, Oh, I'm going to do this differently. But in fact, it's about a gradual development of your muscles and not about making a change when the change is needed. Um, so I think like we can think about our dogs, right? We train recall for our dogs, not when the dog needs to be recalled. Right. But but prior to Mm -hmm. exactly. So similarly, we can think about our spending habits, um, and our understanding of our emotions and finances together as something that we're trying to train in ourselves, the way we would train it in our dogs. And try to build up that muscle so that when we do need it, like when there is a dog running towards us off leash and we need to get recalled back to, or we need to recall our dog back to us to keep him safe, that dog's going to come rather than not know what to do and freeze. Right. Um, so rather than freeze, when I realized that I was not um, upholding my spending habits uh, in the way that I wanted to, it was okay I know I need to get recalled. Um, And the way that I do that is by taking like these baby steps here, here, and here, and then trying to just track my progress and, um, and sometimes like, you know, go back to the beginning of how that's exactly what I
0: was going to say, you know, put the leash back on and work on that recall again, you know, put the leash back on. And, you know, in this case, it might be, okay, I'm going to revisit my budget spreadsheet twice a week and just see where I'm at in all the different categories. (laughs)
1: Our dogs teach us so much. I think if we're willing to observe it through the lens of like training, we train our dogs step by step by step, and we don't expect progress overnight. So why do we tend to expect that in ourselves?
0: That's the human nature, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, I feel like I have thought about this topic so much of how, we hold ourselves to such a high standard. And, you know, if our best friend was going through this situation, we wouldn't hold them to that high standard. So uh, having that empathy for ourselves is so important. You had mentioned like having the muscle of when things go unexpected or when things go wrong. So I do want to talk about those wild card expenses, like Maggie getting stung by a bee and having to take her to the ER, Um, you know, that's Layla having a UTI and me freaking out because she's never, you know, had this happen before. And I didn't even realize that dogs can get UTIs, you know, so I take her into the, the vet emergency. So let's talk about those wildcard expenses, the emergency vet visits. How did you handle that situation? you know, whenever you did have to take her in because of the bee sting and the swelling. And, you know, what is like a reasonable amount for somebody to account for and set aside when getting a dog for these wildcard expenses?
1: Yeah, oh, I hope Layla got healed up quickly. (laughs) Oh, she's
0: good, she's good. But yeah, my credit card definitely at the moment was like, we weren't expecting this.
1: Yes, (laughs) I, I think most of us can, can think up some story where that mm-hmm. happened to us. Um, so Maggie got sung by bee twice. And, and the way that we dealt with it the first time was different than the second time. Um, I think that what I would account for is how we dealt with it differently was three things. The available information that we had both times, the mental processing power that we had to think through them both times, and the time we had to make a decision. And I think these three points, available information, mental processing, power, and time to make a decision are important variables to consider any time you're making a choice. Um, And it's important, you know, to minimize the chance of regret in the future. So the reason why we would spend to take our dog to the vet is so we don't want to regret not having taken them and have something bad happen. Um, the first time Maggie got stung, she was just a couple months old and it, her face was already really swollen and we didn't know what caused it. We assumed it could have been a bee, but her eyes were shutting.
0: Oh my and goodness.
1: So we didn't know if she'd be one to have a bad reaction and so for that reason um our available information was limited. We had no idea how she would react. We had no idea what stung her and we had no idea of how to really stop it and how long we had to try solutions our mental processing power was limited because we were exhausted from Mm -hmm. having a puppy that was just recently starting to sleep through the night. Um, And again, like the time to make a decision, it was like, how long has she been like this? Because I remember she had come back from a walk, went to lay down. I was sitting next to her on the couch, having a meeting. And then when my husband came down at later after his meeting, we looked at her and we're like, oh my God. Yeah. So that was why we decided to go to the vet. And spend the four hundred dollars. We didn't even ask how much. We're just like, take her, yeah, fix yeah, her. please
0: fix her, yeah.
1: And then find out later it's four hundred. It's like, here's my money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the second time that it happened, though, we or after that visit, we said, what can we do to try to avoid this? And so we tried to educate ourselves, and we said, is there any way we could have done something at home? And they said Benadryl, but it makes sense that we had gone in because she had it was already so far along and swelling, right. The second time she was stung, we did not take her in, but the variables were different. Mm -hmm. Um, We knew that she had just come back from a walk and it was in the morning and we were giving her water and food and we saw her eyes starting to swell up. So we knew the amount of time it had happened. We knew she didn't have a bad reaction, like her throat closed up the first time it did. Um, And so we were also, this was like around a year old. So we knew we were also like better able to process everything because our stressors have gone down significantly. And so we decided to call the vet, say, here are the situations. And we had Benadryl on hand. So I think uh, an important thing to have in the house are like hydrogen peroxide, Benadryl, um, some of these different things that will get a dog to expel anything that has happened or, or help ease any kind of issues that a dog's having. Uh, mm-hmm. Fort de Flora. That's the third one that I think is really important to have on hand. Um, so, the I would say like you know try to understand when you're about to take your dog to the vet like what do I understand about these three variables, and is it something where I could try to treat it at home or do I need to go to a vet? Something I dislike is seeing people sometimes they post on like Facebook with some like really gruesome things and then they're like, do I need to take my dog to the vet?
0: Right. Yeah. Like just take them,
1: (laughs) please, please take them (laughs) or, or join a Facebook page that's specifically for vets. Right. Don't ask other dog owners who have got a range of opinions and some people aren't even dog owners. Mm -hmm. Um, but now in terms of how much to set aside, I think that it depends on your dog again. So totally.
0: Well, and it's the type of thing of like, do you have pet insurance that covers X, Y, and Z? Um, or are you trying to do everything without insurance? That is a good, good point.
1: I will, but pet insurance has like different deductibles, right? So we do pay, uh, we've got Trupanion and we do pay a monthly premium for it. Um, but we have not really used like the beasting accounted Mm -hmm. for it last year, but now it doesn't even matter anymore. So it just depends on like, you have it for the peace of mind and for when the dog is older. Right. Uh, But I think that, um, Insurance is a part of it. Yes. But there are a lot of things that are not covered in insurance. Like uh, one of Maggie's friends that goes running around San Francisco beaches a lot and running through fields had two instances of having foxtails in her paw. And foxtails are very expensive. Mm -hmm. Her other friend is just a very, very excited and adorable big golden doodle male. And he swallowed a ball. Oh my gosh.
0: Like a tennis ball.
1: No, it was, it was worse. Actually, someone had brought like a medium sized, it was like a two and a half inch ball to the dog park and he was chewing on it because it was kind of bouncy and it just bounced down his throat. (gasps) So, oh my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) it's
0: like $5,000 later.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm tossing around some of these numbers just so people, I guess, have like baselines from like just experience that I've, I've observed, but I think, um, how much you set aside depends on your dog's activity level, the type Mm -hmm. of environment your dog is in and their personality. So Maggie's golden doodle friend is one who will bite anything or like, like chew into anything and pick up anything. And so they have to be more mindful of him picking stuff up like socks and masks and things like that, that he has had to go to the vet for. So for him, he needs a whole budget just for swallowing things. Right. Right. Maggie needs a budget for putting her head in bushes and getting stung Um, (laughs) by B. Yeah. (laughs) So I think it just depends on like, what is the activity that your dog is most likely to get into? Mm -hmm. And do you um, like estimate what you need to do to try to minimize the chances of that becoming an issue? And then like predispose, like some dogs are predisposed to eye infections and ear infections.
0: Yeah, like Layla has allergies, which, you know, we didn't really plan for, um, because that's like not really something that you can predict, but she has skin allergies that are from the outdoors basically. And it's not like you can just not take your dog outside. So she gets a shot every three months, I believe. Um, and so that's like not really something that we could plan for. She was just doing these, like mindless activities, you know, like swimming in the lake and, you know, me feeding her this new protein. It wasn't like I was intentionally trying to harm my dog, but these are things that could have potentially caused her $500 ER visit for a UTI because they found, uh, crystals in her urine. And then, you know, that is like a initial sign of stones forming in, um, her kidneys or bladder. I, forget which one because i'm not an anatomy expert but um you know and then i said okay well please look you know do the x-ray do whatever you need to to look and check and see because we want to help her as much as possible um and you know that was getting the antibiotics and all the different things that um might be needed for her to get back and get healthy yeah and it's um i mean really important to
1: be able to do the things that are necessary to make our pup feel better. It's it's again, bringing it back to kids. Like we wouldn't get mad at a kid for having something like that develop. We would just go through what we needed to, to help them improve. Um, I mean, there's some things that like we would, we could do proactively um, to try to understand what to prepare for that are more genetics rather than like behavioral Behavioral, You, you kind of need to just observe, but, mm-hmm. um, genetically, if you're getting your dog from a breeder, trying to ask them what kind of history they have in their lineage of, of the puppies that they breed from these parents, or if they have a Facebook group or some kind of a, a community where you can connect with other owners that maybe have siblings, mm-hmm. Um, and understand what kind of baselines they've had to go through in terms of different things that have come up um, and that they might need to prepare for. Um, but then if you don't have access to any of that, you might just connect with a vet in your area. And so whether you're just about to get a puppy, if you have a puppy, if you even have just a dog that is, is healthy, thankfully right now, you might want to ask your vet, are there any, um, any things that are, tend to afflict my breed? and anything from having seen my dog so far that you feel like I should be mindful of. And and then that way you can try to get some estimate of if it's not due right now, is there anything you might need to prepare for down the line? Are there potential allergies you should account for? And maybe you just treat it as putting money into some like investment account that has some kind of interest rate that it earns. Um, And if you don't use it, then it's money that you've saved for yourself. So you can kind of think of it as saving for yourself or for your dog if need be, but just having some kind of like a a dog fund, the same as you might have a child fund is really important to make sure that you can do what you need to for your dog when they are afflicted.
0: Yeah. I actually on our registry for our wedding, I put like a, we had all uh, cash funds basically or uh, money funds. And I had one as a dog fund. And, you know, if anybody wanted to contribute to that, it was going to go in savings because you just never know what may happen. And I wanted to be prepared for that, especially because over the past, you know, I guess, what, seven months now, all of our finances have been towards savings to save for our honeymoon or save for this special thing that we wanted to have for at our wedding. Um, And so... You know, that having that dog fund on there, I was like, I, you know, regardless of what we think it might be for right now, if we get money put into that bucket, we will save it because you just never know what could happen. <laughs> um, so in your article, you talk about feeling both like validated and also frustrated because of Maggie. And you've kind of already talked a little bit about how you have compared like having Maggie and being responsible for her as to being responsible for, for like a child and how it's kind of like a stepping stone for you and your husband. So can you elaborate more on how having her made you feel both validated and also frustrated?
1: Yeah. So um, this is in regards to how having her um, influence my perspective towards finances And what millennials are expected to juggle Mm -hmm. these days. So I felt validated in the sense of knowing um, I graduated with an exorbitant amount of student debt. And my parents, you know, when I was in my 20s or something, they were always saying uh, about what is your plan for having kids? And, you know, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? I'm, I'm 31 now and just got married. But either way, my response to my parents, even when I was 21, was I need to get my student loans under order before I um, can even think about having a child, because I don't want to put my child through the same issue of right. having student debt. And I just want to say, like, for, for all the people out there who maybe are thinking, oh, student debt is a choice. It isn't. It's something that people are promised this dream of, oh, you have to go to X school to get X job. right, And that promise is further exacerbated when you come from a, an immigrant family, where immigrant families tend to think that you have to go to certain types of schools. Um, and, and those schools are expensive. So if you don't end up having enough uh, scholarship, or eight, then you need to find other ways to take it out. And so I was someone even as a kid who thought, how in the world am I going to pay for this? And my parents had responded when I was 18, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so at 18, you can't exactly push back upon that. So it made me feel frustrated because we need to sign on the dotted line at a time in our lives when we're influenced by factors that really are outside of our control. And sure. Totally, there might be eighteen-year-old eighteen-year-olds out there who have the capacity to push back against their families, or they know exactly what they want to do, or they have the scholarships. But there are many out there who clearly don't, based on the student loan met- uh, uh, debt metrics right now. And so I felt frustrated by the fact that. Um, you know we are being we're we're pushing putting back our timelines for having families. Um, and you know we we get get dogs to help us bridge that gap to care for a living thing, to learn about how we are with caring for another living thing that's not nearly as expensive as a child is. and even that is expensive. And then I just feel like sometimes people hate on us who have dogs and care for them as a member of the family because they're like, oh, you didn't need to do that but in fact, we did because we're having to juggle student debt with our other financial considerations. Um, and then even just, you know, planning a family is not quite so straightforward. And and I think a dog is a great intermediary. Um, mm-hmm. And people should acknowledge that dogs are fantastic members of the family that teach us a lot about ourselves, about our partners, about our financial habits, and teach us empathy, too.
0: So, Like, I totally agree with you that dogs are just a great first step, especially for a couple in learning how to navigate the relationship and responsibilities. And I know for us, it's been a really good stepping stone. And I am not going to like sit here and say, I'm completely sure that we'll have kids. And I don't know when that will be, but I do know that Layla has taught us a lot about Ourselves and how that has affected our relationship. Do you think it has taught you anything else in the relationship sense with your husband?
1: It has. It has um, taught us communication to a level that you don't really need to when you're just two people who are able to go about your daily lives together. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when you have a shared responsibility, I think it teaches you about communication. And then I think that has fed back into how we communicate with each other, how we bring humor into our relationship. Um, I think that there are a lot of ways to go about communicating your ideas when you're really happy or when you're really sad or frustrated and Maggie's like silliness and her goofiness. And sometimes just like observing how she just wants a little bit of play. Like yesterday Mm -hmm. she was being really rambunctious and, um, it was kind of breezy outside. So we don't want to be outside, but I just brought her in and got some treats. And we started like doing some training with her, which I realized now that we hadn't really done in the house in a long time, but the training we do with her tends to be out when we're on walks Mm -hmm. because now she's graduated to more of like training under distraction, but it can be really nice to just bring it back to basics and just do things in the house that achieve the need. And so it just made me makes me mindful as well about like, well, what are the small little needs here and there, just like for myself and for us as a couple and like for Chris. So, you know, this morning I made him a really nice breakfast with avocado toast and eggs. And so it's a small little thing that just reminds you, it's this action that shows attention and care, and that can be enough to make a really big difference. And, and last night with Maggie, we did like 15 minutes of training. We did some playing and then she came and cuddled up on the couch next to us. Whereas if we wouldn't have done that, she might've been still trying to get our attention and bark. And just, we, we could have perceived that as her being a pest, but Mm -hmm. in actuality, it was just a need that we had to help address. And that's an important reminder for us. Like don't overlook when your body is telling you something, or when you are, you know, just wanting to get some water, the impact that something small, like hydration and proper nutrition just time for a walk and have on you.
0: Right. And yeah, dogs are so open about their communication, right? They will tell you what they need or will express it in some way that will get your attention. Whereas with humans, we might not always express, you know, Hey, I am feeling a little inconfident, you know, and you telling me that I look good or making me that toast or whatever it may be. That made a really big impact on my day, but they might not have expressed that because they might not have been thinking, you know, how, like, well, one, how, like, what needs do I want met and how do I express that? I feel like that's something kind of like emotional that people aren't taught how to do. How do I even express the needs and wants um, and feelings that I'm having? But two, you know, it, it's like a thing of, well, I have to ask for help. And that might make somebody feel insecure or, you know, not up to their capability, especially for men. You know, I feel like that's a big thing that uh, males have a problem, you know, with asking for help or asking for some of that. Um, But doing that on your own as the other side of the relationship can make such a big difference. And that goes with humans and with dogs.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. If if they're expressing it in, if they're not expressing it, or if it's being expressed in a way that on initial glance might seem frustrating, Mm -hmm. it, I think Maggie's taught us to understand what's causing that expression. Um, And so getting behind the cause is like the important theme with like, why are you spending? Why are you feeling stressed out? Why are you acting out? Um, And that's a lot, large part of what you discuss as well, and I you know I love all of your posts that are just so real,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. And you've came in here with so much insight. Um, I think that this is going to be a really, really great episode for a lot of dog owners, regardless of if they're a new dog owner or planning on getting a dog, you know, you've really thrown in a lot of mindset tips that can be applied to anyone. I don't know who couldn't use these mindset, tip, mindset tips. So I'm really glad that you came on here and have shared all of those. What advice would you give to somebody wanting to financially prepare for a dog?
1: I would say set a budget and then give yourself a buffer because it's better to try to um, scale back that budget and then use that money towards something else, maybe your own vacation when you're Mm -hmm. really tired of having a puppy and they're able to go off to a, a um, sitter for a week (laughs) Um, because they're like, think about how you would prepare for something that you don't exactly know the scope of a dog is going to, whether they're the best behaved or not likely bring in things that you, you're not able to plan for and you don't expect. Um, So I think that financially planning for this is a matter of saying, what are your expenses today? What are the things that if you don't pay off are going to end up hurting you more? So right. think about your credit card debt. Um, and that, that was something I thought of. I have a lot of student loans, but my interest rate is really good. It's like a sub 3% interest rate, which at that point is you know a matter of, do I really want to pay this off or do I, are there other places I can put that money to earn? And that gets into investments, but that's very different. The part that's really important, though, is I don't want credit card debt. So if you have credit card debt today and you have a puppy or you're considering getting a puppy, try to do what you can with that budget and with what you need to spend for your pup so that you don't continue accruing that interest rate or open up a new credit card. And this is sometimes not a great practice, but it's better than charging up more interest is... Um, The other option is getting yourself a 0% interest credit card and try to use that for your dog any expenses that you have and and try to have that be something that like, if you have something that comes up unexpected, use your 0% interest um, card rather than use a card that is already with a revolving balance at an exorbitant 20% plus interest rate. Um, I will say I'm not a financial planner. I'm not giving financial advice. I'm just saying for myself, if I would have had um, credit card debt and getting the puppy, I would have opened up a 0% interest rate credit card and tried to use that for my um, emergency expenses, like her visit to the ER for her um, beasting. but pay off your credit card debt as quickly as you can, and then try to build up your savings um, and account for things that might come out of nowhere and take a page out of your book with setting up a dog fund, Um, have a dog fund that can be leveraged. If something goes, um, if things don't go according to plan, or if you need to take your dog to get x-rays done or have foxtails taken out or have a ball taken out of its stomach or socks or toy, there are just so many things that dogs swallow. (laughs) Um, And know for yourself, if that doesn't go towards your dog, you can always use it for yourself in the future. You can use it for vacations or you can use it for your own um, you know, investment opportunities in the future. So imagine your dog fund is something that's also for
0: you too. A hundred percent. I love that advice. So we'll wrap it up with our last question that I ask everyone. What does having a dog mom mentality currently mean to you? I think people have picked up from
1: our conversation that I'm a lot about mindfulness and empathy towards yourself. Um, So I think it has to do with learning from our dogs that we can have empathy for ourselves and patience with ourselves when things don't go according to plan. I think it's about taking baby steps and not expecting things to just be great overnight and, and also not expecting that we'll always keep making forward progress. Sometimes you need to Like we said, put the leash back on and practice recall from the very beginning. Um, That's not uh, a problem. That's just healthy tactics that will ultimately help us go forward. Um, I think a quote that sums it up really well is even an arrow has to be pulled backwards before it can be shot forwards.
0: Oh, I love that. And I've never heard that before. That is a good one. A good quote. (laughs) I really, really enjoyed that quote. Do you know like if, if it's by somebody or you know, if it's famous in any way? I think we can
1: look this up. I,
0: I remember um, finding this quote a few
1: years ago when I had a smiles project mm-hmm. where I wrote a different quote on an index card every single day for a year and a day. And it was when I was living in Manhattan. So I'd leave these cards in random places around Manhattan. So I remember it was one of the ones I had found during that year in 2016, but, um, we'll have to Google who it was by.
0: <laughs> okay. I will definitely look that up, but I love that. And I love that little smiles project that you did. So you would like leave index cards just anywhere and everywhere.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would clip them to something so they wouldn't like fly mm-hmm. away and be litter, but yeah, I would, um, leave them in random places and, and, uh, then people would take a photo and use the hashtag to comment that they found it. Okay, And there was one person who found it in Bryant Park, uh, on like 40th 40th Street, middle of Manhattan. And she was visiting from London. And then later that year, I went to London and she saw me posting about the London Bridge and leaving smile cards around there. And she's like, hey, that's where I'm from. And
0: all these tips
1: on what to visit while I was visiting there. And um, yeah, there are a number of stories like that where it just shows the the power of connection through a shared smile.
0: <laughs> yeah. Is that like something that you came up with or is that a project that you you know found on social media and decided to join?
1: It was something I came up with at the time. Um, and I mean, there are motivations for it, but it was an opportunity for me to connect with myself as a caring person
0: yeah um
1: that in a workplace especially in like finance industry in New York it's not like you know being empathetic and caring is really going to quote get you much right <laughs> but it's an important part of me and I wanted to showcase that in some way um and so yeah I came up with it since then I've discovered other things like the kindness rocks project which is mm-hmm. really awesome um, but yeah, that was one thing I had done. And, and I think it helped me develop actually this muscle of empathy and understanding that I was then able to leverage, you know, in many other things going forward and in replanning my career and making a switch from finance to technology and um yeah, and just being a more healthy, well rounded person, I feel I I hope.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I love that. And I know throughout this whole conversation, I was thinking to myself. You know, Andrea is a very mindful, intentional, kind human being. So Thank this, you. <laughs> yeah, of course, this wraps up our conversation. I so appreciate you coming on ho- coming on. It was an absolute honor. If you want to tell everyone where to find you and Maggie on social media.
1: Yeah. So Maggie's Instagram is Maggie underscore lead the way. Um, and that's on Instagram. And she inspired me to start Smiling Doodles. Um, which, you know, clearly you guys now know there's a connection to me wanting to share smiles. So, yeah, she inspired Smiling Doodles Leashery, which is at Smiling Doodle uh, with no S at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but our website is smilingdoodles.com. And uh, we make handmade leashes that are modular and mix and match so you can have one leash meet all of your needs and be a fun expression of you and your pup
0: amazing. Well, thank you so much. I will link both your personal or Maggie, you know, you and Maggie's Instagram in the show notes along with your smiling doodle leachery. So everyone go check it out, share some smiles. I hope you all enjoyed this episode and I will catch you back next week. Bye. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality podcast. My name is Caroline. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Dog Mom Mentality. And if you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And if nothing else, I hope you get to play with your dog today.